As we have been thinking about for weeks and months, wow, we're getting ready to say that we're 10 years old. Um, there's just been floods of emotions, and there's been just going back to old photo albums and files and just remembering and reflecting on all that God has done. Um, and it's just been overwhelming, and it's been amazing. Um, and as we decided, hey, let's, let's share together, because uh, this story started out with both of us. Um, and it's only fitting. Uh, we just begin to talk about, you know, what, what is it that we want to be able to share at, at this 10-year mark? And so over the last month, we've been doing this series unwritten, talking about God's story and your story and how it can change our story. And as we just begin to kind of talk through that and think about the last few weeks, um, we just kept coming back to one thing, one word that's really, really easy to say and is really, really difficult to live out. And that's trust. Uh, when I was just a little child, my parents uh, raised me uh, on the foundation of God's word. And the very first Bible that I have has a verse that became my life verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And a few weeks ago, Chad and I were on the stage sharing our story. And we told you that the reason that we could share our story is because we were taught godly wisdom from God's word. And, and the book of Proverbs is just that. It's a book of wisdom. And Proverbs 3 says this, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, meaning everything you do, you acknowledge him and he'll set your path straight. And, and that's been 10 years of a really crazy life lesson for us, learning to trust God with everything that we have. And what we have discovered for us is that trust has different proponents to it. It has different elements. It's not just, oh, I can trust or, oh, I don't trust. There's all these things involved. And, and I think that this morning as we kind of unwrap that, I don't know some of your stories because they're brand new to this place. Some of you, I've known your story for quite some time. But it's our desire that as you kind of hear the biblical understanding of trust, maybe it hits you where you are and you think about your story and how God wants to use it to change other people's story. So um, the first point that we want to make is that trust equals trials. Um, from the moment you're born to the moment you die, you're always going through trials, and some are big and some are small, but um, God is using those. And um, James opens up with, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And I used to, when I was younger, I like was so confused by this verse on joy, but as we've studied it, studied it and we studied it as a church, um, I realize that how we handle trials matters. You know, um, it's not always easy. But having joy is an essential part of survival in our handling of trials. And some of you had parents that told you attitude is everything, and you probably hated hearing that. But um, it is. It's true. And, and throughout the course of life, I've learned a few important points through trials. Number one, you can't compare your trials to other people's trials. Um, in the era that we live in with Facebook and Instagram and all these other things, we can constantly get consumed with comparing our lives to other lives. And um, you're not, you can't minimize your trial because it might not be as bad as what someone else is facing. When you minimize your trial, you're, you're taking some of the importance maybe that God wants you. And you're also, you can also stall the growth in your trial. And the same breath, you can't judge if your trial seems worse than someone else is facing. Um, there's no one in this world exactly like you, and God chose you 
for the trial that you're going to take for his purpose. And um, so you have to be very careful not to judge or minimize. Um, the second thing is, is you can't face trials alone. Um, if you're going to be successful at facing trials, you need people in your life. And I think last week, some of you heard me talk about how I skipped church and went to Target, but not really. But I actually, really. well, I mean, kind of. Um, I actually showed, I was having a really rough morning. There was some things going on, um, not between us. He was like, please make sure people know um, that it wasn't us. Not this time, it wasn't us. Um, and I showed up and I walked, I got myself to church and I walked Kindle to class and I turned around and I was like, I can't walk in there and put this mask on of being this pastor's wife and tell everybody life is so good. And, um, and I also knew that the first person that would ask me how my day was going, I was going to probably lose it. So I, um, I had to go to Target because shopping therapy is true therapy. Not really. I really just had to get some stuff done and we had some stuff going on. And so I go, I feel successful, I'm feeling better and I get my groceries and I, they're full. I mean, my whole cart's full and I get to the car and the door's not opening. And I realized that I, somewhere in my path to Ross and Target and all through Target, I've misplaced my keys. So I go and I try to find um, customer service and I'm asking them, you know, have you seen my keys? Nobody's turned them in. Well, I have this giant bag, basket of groceries. So I text some people that are related to me that will be remain unnamed. Um, and they basically told me they weren't going to come and help me out. Now, they do say they misunderstood the situation. But in the, in the scheme of things, I couldn't get a hold of him. Yeah, I was not one of those. That, that, no, because he was on stage that. Yes. in church where I should have been. But, um, and I knew it was coming. And so I push my card over to the side of customer service, and all of a sudden, I just start to cry, uncontrollably cry. Like so hard where the snot starts to come out your nose, and tears are coming, and I'm doing the <laughs> So I know that they're probably calling security at this point to come and check out the situation, but basically, um, I, when I cry, I look like Tammy Faye Baker, and my mascara goes everywhere. <laughs> So I'm digging my sunglasses out, and I turn to the guy, and I'm like, can I please just walk and find my keys because nobody can help me? And at that moment, in my head, I heard, all by myself, don't want to be. And I'm walking down, and I'm hearing the song played, and I'm crying, and I'm trying to look normal as I walk into stores with sunglasses on, looking like I had a hangover from the night before, telling people I've lost my keys. And anyway, all that to say... Two hours went by, and finally, I had a friend just ask me where I was. And so I just told her, I'm stuck at Target, nobody loves me, and blah, blah, blah. And she said, we're coming. And she brought her entire family. And the minute she got there, I didn't really want her seeing me like a hot mess, but she made me feel better. Just the fact that she showed up in this tiny little trial that I was going through, and she, her whole family walked through Target, and she joined me, and I said, you know, I can take my glasses off. She's like, you look fine, but leave them on. And we walked down to Ross for the third time, and someone had turned them in. So some of my sweetest trials are when friends insert themselves without permission. And um, it, it's just, I left that day going, I felt so much better after she showed up. But I realized even that, I, I didn't need to face that alone. I had people that I could talk, call. Um, and the third... Um, is trials hold a purpose. In James 
1.3, it says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And my absolute favorite story in the Bible is Esther. I'm a sucker for a good princess story. And here is Esther. She's beautiful, the you know, most beautiful in the land, chosen by the king. And it seems like an amazing story. But if you look closely, you realize that she lost her parents at a young age. She was raised by her uncle. And um, she faced imminent death by approaching the king. If he did not hold his scepter out, he, she would die. So it meant life or death in that moment. And I bet if you said, hey, Esther, do you want to take this trial on? I bet she would have not quite agreed so perfect, you know, so excitedly. Um, but God had a purpose for her. He used her trials, starting at a very small age of losing her parents, to being raised by her uncle, to put her in the right moment at the right time to save an entire nation of people. It's hard when we're caught up in our trials to think of something that is going to be so significant. But there is always a reason. And number four, the only way to handle trials is to stay Christ-focused and lean on him. In Proverbs, it says, lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him. So you have trials, and some of you might be in a trial right now. Like that's where life has you. Um, but there's also tests when it comes to trusting God. And a trial is way different than a test. A trial is a difficult circumstance you're going through. A test is a challenge for God to examine what's in your heart. And so we walk through life and we say we trust God, but many times we lean on our own understanding and we try to figure it out all ourselves. And if we can't understand God, then we just push God further away or we doubt him more. We just say he must not exist and he must not care. And yet the book of Proverbs tells us not only not to lean on our own thinking in our trials and in our tests, but in everything, acknowledge him actually draw closer to him. And when we started this church, it was very evident God was asking us, is it about me or is it about you? I want to know in your heart, is it about me or is it about you? And so there, there's, a, there's a passage in Deuteronomy that I love. I love the story of Moses leading the people out of Egypt. God leads them out of slavery. He hears their cries. But then in Deuteronomy chapter 8, one of my favorite passages, just as God speaking to the nation of Israel, and he says, hey, I'm about to lead you out of your trial into everything I promised you. The, the good side of this is going to come. But he tells them this. He says, here's what I want you to do. Remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. That he might humble you. Testing to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Like in your own thinking and understanding, God, you heard these people who were stuck in slavery then you put them in the wilderness for 40 years. You knew their trial, and then you put a test in front of them. And God said, the reason I did that is because I wanted to know what was in their hearts, if they truly wanted to follow me. And 10 years for us, that has been a test from God. I remember, and, and we shared more of this, and obviously you've heard some in the video, but we shared in our growth track class, our membership class, you know, the story of Genesis, for those who don't quite understand it. But uh, there was pastor after pastor after pastor I met with who over and over and over again said, Tim, new churches here have an 18-month to three-year window. That's it. So you better have a plan B. So here we are all excited about, you know, going and starting this new endeavor. There's fear. There's confusion. There's craziness. And now there's complete worry and anxiety. Like, we're not going to make it past 18 months to three years. Like, what should be our plan B? 
All those types of things are following through. And I remember sitting with this guy. He works for Lifeway Christian Ministries. Maybe you've been in a Lifeway Christian bookstore. And so he, he's, I'm at dinner with him, and he's from this area, and he studies churches, and he says, I heard you're starting a church. Where are you going? And so I said, well, I'm going to Orlando, Florida. And he leaned across the table at me, and, and, and he said, why would you ever go there? I remember, like, I was looking. I think Chad was with me, like, that was really encouraging. Like, that makes me feel good tonight. And so I left that place literally just hearing that echoing over and over and over again. Why would you ever go there? He said, listen, we have decided that that place is called the graveyard of church planting. More churches go there and die there than any other city we're studying right now. And yet God was saying, go. And he was testing to see if we were going to be obedient. And God was putting this in our heart to see if we would keep his commandments and we would follow him and we would trust him. And I remember we would be back at our church in Georgia and we would have families come to us and go, hey, great idea, just don't do it right now. Why? Well, because we're in a recession. Like we can't even buy gas in Atlanta. People are foreclosing their houses and you think they're going to actually support you financially above and beyond when they can't even give now to, to what you're going to do? Why don't you just wait? But God kept saying, go. And there's this trust. It was a trial. It was a test. It was all these things happening. And so we've told you, like, we started this church out of someone else's house. We didn't even have our own home. We couldn't start a small group in our own home. We couldn't meet with a core group of people. We had to use other people's houses because our house in Georgia wouldn't sell. We're in a recession. I'm asking people to leave their family and friends that they've known their whole lives in another place and move down with us to a place they don't know. And so all of this confusion, all of this doubt starts to just flood inside of me. And I keep coming back to this verse. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll set your path straight. And I remember one night fasting and praying, and I went down, and I opened up my Bible, and I began studying the book of Jeremiah. And the book of Jeremiah has actually become my favorite book of the Bible. I'll tell you this, no one wants to be Jeremiah. Maybe you've never read it, but you definitely don't want to be Jeremiah. Moses, that's cool. Adam, Eve, you know, we like those stories. We like David, you know, Esther. No one wants to be Jeremiah, the, the prophet no one wanted to listen to type of a deal before Israel goes back into exile. And I open it up to the very first chapter, and this is what the Lord is telling Jeremiah, and it just flew off the pages. He told Jeremiah, he said, do not say, I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. And I remember sitting there all alone, listening to that, going, God, this is what you're telling me. Stop worrying about my age. Stop worrying about my experience. I'm just to be obedient and go and do exactly what you're commanding me to do. And that was really tough. There are moments in 10 years where I've had to like say, what's the, 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 the flock and who are my friends and make tough choices that sometimes just leave me wanting to quit. I've made dumb choices. I've made some really stupid choices. Um, then there's times we've made some okay choices. But here's what I've learned in 10 years. You can't truly ever trust God until you allow yourself to be uncomfortable for God. You will never truly learn what it means to trust God until you finally say, okay, God, I'm okay with being uncomfortable with whatever you ask me to do. And that was our test. So the third thing is trust equals triumphs. In James 1.4, it states, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
And when God is finished and your trial is complete, you are complete in that trial that you faced. And um, sometimes we can look at our trial and we can see exactly what God was doing in that moment. And then there's times that we'll never, ever understand why God chose us to carry that trial. Um, when, when we talked about not being able to sell our house, I would just sit and look at him and be like, it's been a year and a half and you're still trusting that God's going to sell this house. And, you know, I, I still to this day don't understand that situation, but I have to trust God. I have to trust that, you know, there might be another completely different reason for that that we just can't see. Um, when we lost our, chi our baby in 2002, um, I never will understand or grasp that moment of why he chose to let me get pregnant just to take the baby away. That just does not make sense. We did end up getting pregnant pretty fast, like four weeks after, which is not suggested, but we just felt like that was what we were try supposed to try to do. And, um, <laughs> you know, Caden came. Caden is a beautiful picture of beauty out of ashes. I still can't 100% look back and say, why didn't God just let me have Caden? But I also look back and I see that over the years since that date, there have been many women that have lost children, babies, and I've been able to reach out to them and say, I know exactly how you feel. I did not handle it well. I, I can relate to you. And perhaps God used that trial in my life so that I can turn around and help other women go through the same thing. And there are things that you're dealing with in your life or that you have gone through, some of you insanely tough things, that God is using you because he knows with his help you can handle it and that you are going to turn around and help others handle it. And it's not something we want to be invited to. I get it. I don't always want to be the person that has to help other people and go through it myself. But in the same breath, isn't it amazing that God can use you to help others? And if that's what it takes, sometimes that's what it's going to take. Um, but celebrate your triumphs because... People who don't know God are not going to know the beauty of God unless they see it in you. And the way that you can show people the beauty of God's redemption and wonder is if you celebrate the good things that he's done. I say often we, I, I journal a lot of the stories. I can go all the way back to before we ever arrived because I need those triumphs. When I'm in my new trial or I'm in a new test with God to go back and go, oh, I see what you did there and I still trust you and I still want to follow you, and I still want to be obedient to you. And really, the reason that all of that is possible, and the reason we trust God so he can direct our paths, is so that ultimately he creates a testimony out of it. If you were here last week, Brian said, he said, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's all about him. We exist to make much of him. And so we can share our story, and you can watch on the video, but I hope that you just don't hear us, you hear God, God at work, God moving God working, God putting things together, God orchestrating this. And, and when I, I look back at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which I've learned my whole life, I often forget verse 7, which comes right after it. And verse 7 says this. It says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And I will tell you as a pastor for 10 years in this city, that is the thing that is missing most in the lives of people claiming to follow Christ. They do not fear God. And because they do not fear God and they've made God more friend, 
they will not turn from their evil ways and they will not start to walk in his paths. They continue to walk in their own paths. And then they come and they say, well, how can I find wisdom and how can I truly trust God? And you point them in the right direction and sometimes they reject it and they walk away. And that's been difficult. And that's been part of the story here. And so people are like, hey, why are you guys doing all this for 10 years? Like, why are you doing fireworks? And why are you doing a party? And and I tell them, I say, well, there's two reasons. Number one is this. I want church to mean something again. For a lot of people, church doesn't mean anything. Church meant everything to me growing up. Everything. I love church. I love my youth group. I love the people, the, the relationships. I love seeing God work. I love the stories of the people who shared because it forever, eternally changed my life. Okay? And so I wanted to do the same for you and for your children and for your grandchildren. I, we, we're going to celebrate tonight, right? Like, there's fireworks. Big deal. We, we live in Orlando. You can see fireworks whenever you want. Okay? Just take a drive down to Disney every single night at 9 o'clock, and you'll see them going off in every single direction. Why do we want them tonight? Because there's a little something more in them. Not because they're different and not because they're going to be better than not. You know what it's going to be? Just a stamp. A stamp when they go off that God has done this for 10 years. And it's a celebration moment of him, a testimony to what he's done. And the other part is this, just to continue to remember him. That's why we want to celebrate the way that we do. God told the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy, he said, here's what I want you to know in verse 14. Don't let your heart be lifted up when I take you into the promised land and now you receive the triumph. When you're ready to celebrate, don't get all haughty about this. He says, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You know why? When we get comfortable, we forget about God. And we stop trusting him. We stop needing him. And then the trial comes and the test comes, and now we're back in that cycle again. And I remember uh, there, there was a moment when we were, uh, were still living in Chad Michelle's house that every single night for four nights, I woke up at the exact same time, rolled over, and the clock was 3.20 a.m. On the fourth night, God said, get out of your bed and go grab your Bible. And so I went downstairs. No, why did I keep waking up at 3.20 in the morning? And I had just started reading the book of Ephesians where I was studying. And I opened it up and began reading Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says this. Now to him who is able to do more abundantly, far more abundantly than all we ask or think. According to the power that is at work within us. Why? So that he gets the glory. Where? Not in Tim. In the church, the very thing I've called you to do, and in Christ Jesus, and not just for now, for 10 years from now, and for 20 years from now, for 30 years from now, generation after generation after generation. And I remember reading that that night, and God saying, this is why I woke you up, because I want you to always remember and trust that I will do far more than you could ever ask or imagine if you let me direct your steps. And so, as Tanya was sharing the video, we've had some really hard moments we have honestly had moments where we're like, I think in our flesh we're done. Just in our humanness, this is too much to bear. It's a hard place and it's a hard city. And, and, and we were in the middle of just a storm of life and, and, and working through that. And she came to me and she said, I found a song I want you to listen to. And she said, I, I think this song is just for us right now. God wants us to embrace this. And it's a song called Glorious Unfolding by Stephen Chapman. And this is what the lyrics of that song said as we laid there in bed and tears began to roll down our eyes. 
as we listen to this song. It says, lay down your head tonight and take a rest from the fight. Don't try to figure it out. Just listen to what I'm whispering to your heart. Because I know this is not like anything you thought the story of your life was going to be. And it feels like the end has started closing in on you. But that's just not true. There's so much of the story that's still yet to unfold. And this is going to be the glorious unfolding. Just you wait and see, and you'll be amazed. You just got to believe this story is so far from over. And for some of you, you're in your trial today, or you're being tested. And you need to go home tonight and put all of your trust, all of your understanding in Jesus so that he can whisper in your ear, this may not be like anything you ever thought, but it's far from over. There's a triumph that's coming. Don't know when it is, if it's right around the corner or if it's a little further down the road, but it's coming. And when it comes, it's going to be a testimony of who I am. And so we have a celebration as a family every year. We take our kids out to eat right before anniversary Sunday, and we eat dinner together just with them, um, and we tell them, tell us one thing you remember about the year, one thing since we started, and one thing that was just tough. And Caden, the other night, she said, you know, I've been thinking over the last 10 years, she said, can't talk about my kids, that's. last 10 years, all the people and all the places we've gotten to go, it never would have been possible if we weren't obedient to God. And to hear that out of the mouth of your 16-year-old, that we had to trust God even when our own understanding didn't make any sense at all. And I look out here today, and I go, this is everything I prayed and asked God it would be. Didn't know how it was going to look. It wasn't how I intended it to be. This is how God intended it to be. Because this church is a beautiful picture of heaven, this side of earth. I look out and I see white people, and I see black people, and I see Hispanic people, and I see people from the Dominican and Puerto Rico, from Jamaica, the Bahamas, Haitians, Brazilians, Asians, Germans, Netherlands. I mean, I can just keep going and go, this is heaven. And I get to experience a little bit of it right now. And this is what I get to be a part of forever and eternity. Genesis means the origin or beginning of something. When we sat in Georgia and we said, let's go, this is what we wanted to do. We wanted to start a place that could be the beginning of someone having an encounter with Jesus forever. Just the start of something. That's why we named it Genesis. And so people have said like, 10 years in, what's the next 10 going to look like? I honestly don't know. No one knows. But here's what I can promise you. We're not going to lean on our own understanding. We're going to acknowledge him in everything that we do, and we're going to let him direct our paths. We did not show up to build our own castle. We came here obediently to expand God's kingdom, and we're going to allow him to do that. And so in 10 years, the only mission we have is what this says, because this is the only thing that doesn't change. And this is where we founded this church on. This is what this church believes in from cover to cover, from beginning to end. All of it 
desperately needed for every single one of us because it's his story and it changed our story and it can change your story. And so I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. Why do you, I love the fact that this church has so many different people? Because I was taught early on that for God so loved the world, that meant everyone. Every color, every language, every ethnic background. God loved them so much, he would give up his only son. And what I've discovered in my lifetime and in the last 10 years, that if God can give up his son so that I can have the gift of eternal life forever, I can give up my wants and my desires here on earth to do everything he's asking me to do. But to do that, I have to understand his story. And I have to learn that his story changes my story. And if I let his story change my story, it might just change some of your story. And so maybe you're here this morning, and you're in a trial. You're smack dab in the middle of a trial, and you feel like your feet are failing, and you can't get your head above water. And yet God's just saying, just trust me. Trust me. Trust me with everything that you got, and I'll get you through this. Maybe you're in a test. You think it's a trial, and it's a test from God right now because he's examining you. He wants to know what's in your heart. Are you really going to follow me? Are you going to run away when it gets a little tougher? Are you truly committed to me? Are you going to let something else come in and take my place? And right now God's testing you because he has something important he wants to use you for. And maybe it's that opportunity to surrender that over to him. Maybe you're in your trial. And today with us, you're just celebrating. We're celebrating 10 years because we were told we wouldn't make it this far. And we didn't make it this far by our might and by our strength. We made it this far by God's might and God's strength. And so this is all about him. It's not about us. This is about him changing us because I know he can change you.